Hello, and welcome back to another FACT podcast. I'm Dr. Fred Clary, founder of Functional Analysis Chiropractic Technique. And in this episode, we are going to cover how your brain works, or how you work, or how to discover yourself. This is another podcast by uh, request. Many people have been strong-arming me and trying to chicken-wing me and put me in an open chokehold to try to get me to cover, you know, just just how does our brain work? I'm, I'm trying to discover myself. A lot of, uh, of my friends are in their f- late 40s, early 50s, and you see the midlife crisis going on. That's usually a time in our lives where we finally slow down and get some time for reflection and maybe we're not in the relationship we want, the career we want, we skip some opportunities and there's a little bit of dread but sometimes there's some good things too and we usually call it a midlife crisis because you see the uh, 45 or 50 year old uh, get divorced and uh, kind of spurn his um, children, get a, a earring, a sports car, and run off with the secretary. Now, that's all cliche and sounds like a country music song. But honestly, there's a reason for all this uh, self-awareness, being woke. And I'm going to talk about being woke because uh, most of the people that say they're woke are clueless. Now, I'm not talking about uh, social, economic, political leanings. I'm talking about the neurology of how your brain works, their brain. And their brain works different than your brain or my brain or their neighbors or even the people they go to rallies with. Their brains are not the same. What does that mean? It means that, you know, that, the, that two to three pounds of jelly floating in Gatorade we call our brain, which is biological tissue that runs on efficiency, efficiency of the utilization of neurotransmitters and energy, ATP or glucose. Um, glucose is broken down to ATP for every cell to, to use. And we don't have time to cover it in this podcast. We'll cover it in another one. You know, you've been, if you're going to live here 70, 80, 90 years, you better know at least what powers every cell. A lot of people know more about how to set their DVR than they do what they're sitting on there and what's inside them. So we're just going to cover a little bit about how your brain works, how you interpret the world. As I uh, say in seminars over and over again, all patients lie, L-I-E, they lie, they tell mistruths. Now, of course, that doesn't mean anything malicious. It doesn't mean they're trying to avoid things. We lie because we are not very good historians. We're not very good at memories. Or our memory is tainted with our own neurology. Every cop knows this. Every CIA agent, every detective, they all know that even though someone can be honest and forthright, that their recounting of a crime could be inaccurate because of how the brain works. Now, they may say the word mind, and that's okay, but it's the way our mind or our brain works, how we record information. We are not 100% accurate recorders. This is not a video camera. This is not a tape recorder. We do not have accurate recorders. Why? 
One, it would be too much for our brains to record absolutely every detail about every event and then be able to recall every detail at every moment. You, people in special forces, people in the military, people in the CIA, detectives train for years to learn how to catch every little clue in a crime scene or in an area. That takes a lot of experience and a lot of work to train the brain to be able to do that. Commoners like you and me, civilians like you and me, we just have to go on how our brain is wired. Some of that you're born with, that's your genetics, according to what your mom and dad gave you and your parents. Some of that's environmental, it's trained. If you grow up in a very musical family and everyone's playing music, well, your ear, your brain gets accustomed to listening to sounds of music and you become more auditory. Some people are painters and become more visual. Some people are athletes and they're more kinesthetic or movement-based. And that, that becomes the primary way they see the world. We talked a, a little bit in Paradigms in one of my previous uh, uh, podcasts about paradigms, um, how we see the world. But this is even more detailed. Um, understanding yourself. You don't need to go away on vacation, sit on the beach with your journal to figure this out. You don't need to go hide in a cave or drop out of school, school or drop out of your marriage or drop out of life for a while to figure yourself out. I need to find myself. Now, I understand people need a break sometimes. It's called a healthy, restful recovery. But... You don't need to disappear. Actually, you need people around you to help find yourself. If I asked you right now, how does your brain work? How do you record most things? Do you do it visually, auditorily, or kinesthetically? Could you answer that instantly? And if you can't, you don't even know who you are. You don't know how your brain records things. Why is that important? Well, if you're in an argument with a significant other, you are going to become sympathetic, you're going to be very energetic, you're going to become very emotional. And the other parts of your brain that take a little extra energy to use, for example, I'm auditory. So for me to be more visual, to see things or kinesthetic movement, I actually have to use a little extra energy. It doesn't come naturally to me. In other words, I'm wired for efficiency in auditory. Yes, I've walked out of concerts before because they, the tuning was off or the drumming was off. I couldn't take it. It's like nails on a chalkboard to me if, if I don't hear things right. Well, that's because I can hear those tiny little things. Well, some people can't. So words and mean a lot more to me. Contextual words, how things are said, mean more to me. Some people, like visual people who have to be completely visual, they have to see it. They look at the expressions on someone's face. That's what they see. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Who cares what the expression is on my face? It's the words that matter. Well, you already have an argument of just understanding the world there. 60, 70% of the world's visual. About uh, 10 to 15% of us are auditory and the rest are kinesthetic. So if a auditory and a visual get into a fight, there's yelling and screaming. The visual will say things and yell things. An auditory will hold on to those words forever because those words have meaning. They have power. 
Likewise, a kinesthetic is all about feeling. Are you sitting down? Are you lording them? Do they feel threatened by your physical presence? That's a big deal. Now, of course, as we grow up and get older, we pick up a lot more of these traits or at least can interpret them. But when we're angry or in a fight, an argument, a disagreement, we tend to lean onto our strongest sensory modality. That's what they're called, sensory modalities. So these sensory modalities, visual, auditory, kinesthetic, help us filter the world. Now, a lot of people who are, say, they were hyperkinetic, they were hyperactive. We call it ADHD or ADD nowadays. And, and back in those days, we'd say people would grow out of it. Did they really grow out of it? Or as we mature for survival, did our brain learn through extra ATP, through extra energy, through extra work, how to use these submodalities? The funny thing is I love when I see couples arguing and they don't even know how to argue with each other because one may be kinesthetic, the other one's visual or vice versa or one's auditory and one's 100% visual and has no idea what they're saying. But the auditory person will remember that for 10 years, the words they were used, and then doesn't understand when the person says, oh, I'm so sorry, why can't you forgive me? Well, those words had meaning. You're visual. You don't live in a visual world. But if I gave you the middle finger, you would never forgive me of that because that's a visual thing. Or if I wrote you a letter or a mean text, please understand this is not one's better than the other. It's just how your brain's wired because not everyone can be a Rembrandt or Da Vinci and use all three at the same time with the same amount of weighting. Weighting means importance in the brain. If all those modalities were weighted the same, wow, that's a lot of work for the brain, or you're very efficient. Your, your parents did you well. Now, understanding that filter means that a lot of us are not really living in reality. In fact, all of us aren't. Let's be fat, frank here. We all live in our confabulation. Confabulation means a made-up reality. And I hope my confabulation is close enough to reality that your confab with your confabulation that the two of us can at least communicate. That's why when there's a car accident on the corner and there's three witnesses, how many eyewitness reports does the policeman get? Well, he'll get three. Why can't you just use one? You think the average person's going to lie? No, because there's a different angle. There's a different perspective. And it's just not perspective line of sight for visual acuity. What did they see from their angle? But it's also how their brain works. It's amazing. Some people saw a red shirt, a red shirt, a red shirt at the perpetrator. But it, someone else saw a pink or a yellow because maybe in the past they were mugged and anyone doing wrong would have that color shirt. And when you're emotionally upset, you actually record it in your brain, the wrong color shirt, even though it hit your retinas and say, I don't know, say red. That's what the perpetrator had or the person who's driving the car and caused the accident had. You saw yellow because you were beaten up by someone with a yellow shirt. That's amazing. Now you... That is what was recorded. What hit your retina went through your lateral geniculate and your thalamus into your visual cortex was the correct color red. But by the time it moved to your hippocampus, an area in your brain for memory, it was changed. And that's something you have to see. And every cop knows this. Every uh, trial lawyer knows this. Every judge really knows it too. It's not that the eyewitnesses were trying to lie, they were just trying to recover with the memories they had best. If you want to find yourself, 
if you want to figure yourself out, you don't need to move. You don't need to run away. You don't need 25 self-help books. And I like getting self-help books because I'll read a complete uh, book or textbook just to get one piece of new information. Absolutely get one piece of new information that I can use. That's just me. I'm always looking for something else I can use. But if you think uh, a book's the answer, there's probably some books that can help you on this subject. But you need to understand how your brain works. Because say you're going back to school and you're in college or there's a college student or a high school student listening to this. Well, if you know that you're an auditory learner, you process the world through auditory, mainly sounds and written and speech, then that's how you should be studying. You should read the books out loud to yourself, record the formulas and have them uh, played back to you. Get on YouTube and just run, you know, the, the it over and over again. If you're visual, then you need a lot of notes and highlighters and different colors. If you're kinesthetic, then, you know, you unless it's a sport, you're kind of screwed. You have to get up, bounce around, have a stress ball you squeeze with your hand. You're going to have to have joint information. We call it proprioceptive. You're going to have to have proprioceptive, mechanoreceptive information, fancy word for joint sense. You're going to have to have joint information coming in for your brain for you to move a short-term memory into long-term. We call that learning. So because your brain's wired that way, and once you know you're wired that way, you know how to design your life. If you have trouble with something or something bad happened to you, there's two things that could have happened. One, someone was out to get you. Or two, say you're auditory and someone says, I love you, I'll care for you. You're actually going to believe them because you're auditory. And you don't even notice their actions. You ju- you'd be visual if you did. You just notice what they say because you would never say those things unless you meant it. You're auditory. Isn't it amazing? I know some light bulbs just went off. So for you, words have more weight. Visually, eh, you know, writing has more weight. Kinesthetically, actions. You're watching actions, what they're doing. And this is why some people, honestly have uh, troubles in some relationships, they're getting into relationships with people who do not process the world the same as they, they do. Their filter is different. So a lot of people say, oh, you don't want to get someone exactly like you. Well, that's ridiculous. You want someone who's very similar, at least in processing the world. One can like rock and roll. One can like country. But what you need someone who processes the world similarly so when you're stressed out, you communicate the same way. The way you learn is the same way. So we talked about how does your brain work? Filters, visual, auditory, kinesthetic. How about this, right and left brain? So this is how complicated it gets. You could be auditory, left brain, auditory, right brain. And this is just in general. So some people, when we use right brain, it really isn't right brain if we put you in a functional MRI, but more artistic, more abstract, more understanding things. So... And then other people are left brain, more accountant. Two plus two equals four and always will. You know, please round that decimal to the fifth possible place. You know, someone that concrete and detailed. The accountant, the engineer would be more, quote unquote, left brain. The artist, the musician would be more left brain, uh, right brain. Excuse me. Right brain is music and the artist. What does that mean? Well, that just means how you look at the world, abstract or concrete. Now, here's the thing. Everybody has a little bit of everything else. And with certain things, they process differently. I'll give you an example. I'm very left brain 
when it comes to certain details about history, about the human body, using the correct words, the details, all that. That's what makes me a good doctor. Um, very detailed about that. But when it comes to my own health, I'm very right brain, very abstract. If I have to tell my doctor where's it hurt, I go, oh, around here. Now, if I put on my doctor's hat, I could say, oh, yeah, I got an L3, L4 disc. It's lateral risal on the right. It's pushing on the nerve root, abutting 2.5 millimeters, blah, blah, blah. I could give you into that stuff. But the way my brain really works is I put it out in the abstract and say, ah, oh, it hurts around here. Why is that? Because that's how I move through with a beat-up body and it's in, in my 50s into powerlifting. And that way, it doesn't take weight to me. The, you know, if someone gives me details on something, it would have more weight. Well, Fred, you're saying people can be right-brained and left-brained? Yes. That's what makes it complicated. Some people are very detail-oriented in one sphere or one type of issue. And on another issue or item, they're the opposite. And that can lead to problems with relationship and business. Because if you're not a very good accountant and you don't, you know, you don't rectify your checking book, your checkbook down to the penny, and other people, oh yeah, I think we got that much money and they're going to spend it, that can cause some issues. It doesn't mean whether one's wrong or right. It does if you're gonna bounce a check, but honestly, it's just the way of seeing the world. And why is that important? Well, I would want a more right brain person at a powerlifting meet because if their PR is 400 pounds and you put on 405, they're going to freak out. But if you say we're going to put a little more on, okay, a little more just means a little more, whether that's 5 or 50. See the difference? And that's real important when it comes to, say, health things or schooling. There's people, they totally interpret the world differently. So when you're trying to talk to someone that way, you have to find out their visual, auditory, kinesthetic. Are we processing right now right brain or left brain or concrete or abstract? How about this one? This is really going to throw you off. Are they peripherally orientated or are they centrally orientated? Meaning, are they thinking about the, you know, the dominoes? Are they looking at your peripheral vision? Some people see the peripheral vision. These would be good moms. You see them, oh, I see little Johnny about to pull the vase down from grandma's table and able to see that. We used to say, oh, mom's got eyes in the back of her head. No, that just means they're always aware of their peripheral surroundings, where other people are more centrally orientated. They can only see the nose in front of their face. What does that mean? And this is with all subjects. What that means is, you know, if you're trying to march forward in life, you want someone from one day to the next who's centrally orientated. A peripheral person is going to see things that could happen or things on the margin. That's why in some relationships, it's good to have a balance there because then they can see problems coming up. Why is that important? Why is that really important? Well, if you're having an argument or discussion with someone and they're pro processing centrally, they only see the things in front of them, and other people are processing peripherally, things that are way out in the margin, you're not even talking about the same subject, though you think you are. So that's something real important to, to think about. And then the final one I wanted to talk about, the finer filter I want to talk about, is chronology, time. Time. Some people are always processing in the past. They use the past for, you know, an application of knowledge. Oh, yeah, my mom used to do it this way. My dad did it this way. I used to do it this way a long time ago. The way I start the snowblower was this way last year. They use a point of reference from the past 
as what to relate to what they're doing in the present right now, in the now. Now, that's not good or bad. It just is. That's how people sometimes process. Then we got your present processors. People that are always in the now, they drive most people crazy. They only can see what they're doing right now. In the next five minutes, right now in front of them, they actually live life in the moment. You know, very spontaneous. Let's go do this, go do this. These people drive the future processors absolutely crazy because a present processor or a in-the-now processor will only process or filter information that's happening right around them. They can't remember the past as much and seeing the future, why does that even matter? You know, I got to make a right turn coming up here. You know, I don't care if the bridge is out, you know, 10 miles down the road. And then, of course, you have the future processors, people whose filter is everything's in the future. Um, sometimes people call these people paranoid because they see a hundred different options for the negative. And some people, the, the optimists, they see a hundred different options for the good or for success. But these people always process in the future. And it's hard to link or hard to um, understand the communication. What do you mean understand the communication? You have people speaking English separated by a common language because of how they see the world, how they process, how they filter the world. Some people say you have a visual who's very right-brained, who's very, uh, say, peripheral, sees things on the life on the margins, and only lives in the now. How are they going to get around someone who sees some, some other version of life? You can see how complicated this would be. Why is this complicated? Well, that's how our brains are work. Again, your parents gave you a certain set of uh, filters, processing instruments, and from there, you pick at what your brain decides to pick at what's efficient, whatever's running the most. That's right, whatever's running the most and makes that efficient, starts to discard the other ways of processing, discards the other filters, and then what you kind of like and expose yourself to, what your environment exposes yourself to. And over time, your brain, you know, because it's spending so much time with that exposure, will make that efficient. You have to work that quote-unquote muscle. Well, neurology takes longer than a bicep. It takes three to five years for an adult. So if you want to really know who you are, one, start with your filters. Start with how you process and be honest with yourself. And if you can't, don't run off the cave. You're going to have to ask your spouse, your mate, your friends, your teachers, your preachers, your coaches, everyone around you. Ask your family, how do I process the world? Now, they may not use the words like visual kinesthetic, but say, you know, do I have to do something to learn? That's kinesthetic. Do I have to see something to learn? Do I have to hear something to learn? When I get directions, do I have to hear them? Do I have to write them down? Or do you have to give me landmarks, like turn right at the water tower? That would tell you how you process the world. And then sit down and really think. Do you, do you think more abstractly about life or certain subjects? Or do you think more concretely about it? Do you see life on the margins all the time? Or are you just centrally focused on what your tasks are for the day? Do you live on the past? I can't tell you how many people I've run into that when they give me a history, it's all history. They don't need, when I ask them any questions about the future, they're clueless. So what does that mean? If you want to find yourself, figure out how you see the world. 
Are you visual, auditory, kinesthetic? Are you more abstract or concrete? Do you see the world more on the periphery or very central, what's right in front of you? Do you always compare and contrast the world to the past or things that may happen in the future? Or do you just live in the moment? Understanding all these little characteristics about you, you don't have to do an online um, personality test to figure out who you are. You know this. Sit down, figure it out. And then just use your strengths. If that's how you're wired, if you're trying to go to school, make sure you study that way. If you're trying to communicate with someone, if you can figure out what they are, they will actually, quote unquote, understand you. Because even using the same language of English, you can confuse someone else who processes the world totally different than you. And then you have two people trying to connect, trying to communicate, living in their own confabulation, totally lost, and people blaming each other for the miscommunication when they really haven't even started to communicate because they're using a different form of English. This has been Dr. Fred Clary, and this is another Fact Podcast.